guy's weather update, and I'm pretty sure you're thinking, dude, enough with the weather updates. You've been talking about how cold it is at the start of each episode for the past, you know, week and a half or so. Well, let me tell you something. This will be the last weather update I'll give for now, okay? But the weather update is it's better. It's gone up. I'm still freezing, and I'm still wearing this nice fleece pull-up sweater. But listen, it's nice. Uh, it's cold still. It's a sheet of ice on the road. But it's, everything is good. Everything's fine. It's still cold, but it, the temperature has gone up at least. So uh, if you're like me, who is still trying to get adjusted to the new place that we're in and still trying to get adjusted to, you know, trying to stay warm, and then we're actually having a real winter here instead of being, you know, being from the south and, you know, whether it's, you know, in January, it's actually 67 degrees outside, then yes. Okay. So you're, you're trying to get adjusted to it and you you know, you just got to talk about it. You know, you just got to talk about and talk about your feelings with, you know, how you feel body wise and temperature wise for winter weather. Anyway, sorry for my rambling. That's how I'm going to start the show. You'll probably think this is the last time, maybe, maybe that I'll talk about the weather. Guys, welcome to Pigskin Frenzy on this wonderful and cold, chilly and Tuesday afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Joel Norris. And whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, listening on Podbean, listening on Apple, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like each episode, leave comments down below. Spotify, Podbean, and Apple, all you have to do is just share around with others and follow on there as well. Now, X, Instagram, and Facebook, all you have to do is type in Pigskin Frenzy, follow, like the pages there, you will get episode updates. You will get news and highlights from across college and NFL football. You will get trivia questions on Instagram stories. Go and answer today's college football one, as well as all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. College football day to day, you're thinking, man, why are we talking about college football when it's the offseason? This is why I keep saying to keep plugging into Pigskin Frenzy, because there is some stuff happening during the offseason all the time, okay? Uh, next week, and I'll give you a little preview for next week and in two weeks. Next week, for next Tuesday's college football episode, we're going to dedicate that episode to the transfer portal, the entire transfer portal, because there is transfer portals coming in, especially even though the window is closed, we're going to dedicate that and may have a couple episodes on the transfer portal coming up in the near future. But next week will be one of those episodes where we're going to be talking about the transfer portal. And in two weeks, we're going to be talking about National Signing Day, preview National Signing Day, pre- preview high school recruiting, and talk about that uh, because it comes, you know, National Signing Day is the day after the episode is released. So we're going to be talking about that in two weeks on February 6th edition of Pigskin Frenzy. And plus, more spring football um you name it, conference standing projections. We're going to have people and guests come on the show. It's going to be a great time during the offseason for, for Pigskin Frenzy and college football. So tune in on Tuesdays if you're a college football guy. So that's all I got to say about that. But for today, we have a special episode, a Q&A postseason, 2023 college football postseason Q&A episode here. We got lot, loads of questions lined up. I said we were going to do this. We also talked about, do we were going to do it last week, but we dedicated that episode to the late, to the uh, the great Nick Saban, uh, who is retired. Uh, he's still around in Alabama, but he will be in an advisor capacity. He's no longer the head coach at Alabama. We dedicated that episode to him. 
we pushed the the Q and A back to this episode, so we're doing it. Q and A, college twenty twenty three college football postseason Q and A, and we're gonna get started here in just a little bit. So keep plugging into Pigskin Frenzy on YouTube, Podbean, Spotify, all audio platforms, all video socials, X, Instagram, Facebook. Keep plugging into Pigskin Frenzy, guys. Busy day today, by the way. Hope everyone's doing okay. We are going to answer some of these questions. And we're going to start off with a very good one. Uh, and this question uh, says, what impact will Kalen DeBoer have at Alabama? If anybody's not aware, <laughs> if anybody's not aware, the greatest head coach of our sport, Nick Saban, retired a few uh, a couple of weeks back. He is no longer going to be the head coach at Alabama. He is the... Uh, He's in an advisor role at Alabama, but Alabama was in search of a head coach. They were looking for guys like Dan Lanning from Oregon, guys like Mike Norvell from Florida State, guys like uh, Dabo Sweeney, Clemson, guys like guys like Lane Kippen, Ole Miss, you name it, uh, C. Sarkeesian, Texas, you name it. So, so <laughs> none of them were. None of them, they rejected all the offers. They, they stayed where they're at. And one particular name that came up and it was floating around was Washington head coach at the time, Kalen DeBoer. Um, and what I found interesting from that was a lot of people were saying, oh, Kalen DeBoer, really? Well, what's he going to do, right? What's he going to do? I'll tell you what he's going to do. He's a hundred and three and eleven, or hundred and two and eleven as overall head coaching record. He has won Pac-12 Coach of the Year twice back to back. He has won all of the Coaching of the Year awards in this past season. Uh, he led Washington to an Alamo Bowl uh, victory against Texas last season. Uh, this season or this past season, he led them to the playoff and a Sugar Bowl win against Texas. Beat Oregon twice during the regular season and went to the national championship and went fourteen and one and was a national championship runner up. He was devastated that they did not win the national championship against Michigan, but he led them to a national title, a national title game appearance. So, what kind of impact will? new Alabama head coach, Kalen DeBoer, make in Tuscaloosa? Well, I think that he is going to make an impact where it may not be exactly immediate, but in overtime will work. Because look, he brought, uh, he, he's retained some people from the from Nick Saban's staff, but he's also got his staff in there as well. Offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb is finally the Alabama offensive coordinator. That's what Bama fans wanted last season, but now he's finally with Kalen DeBoer in Alabama and he will run the offense in 2024. So that's one. Two, you got wide receiver, wide receiver coach Jamarcus Shepard, who produced three talented wide receivers, including a first rounder in Roma Dunsey. So you look at those coaches and you look at the staff that he's building, uh, it's, it's quite remarkable. You got Jalen Milrow there. Uh, we're going to see how that works during the spring. I think there's going to be a little bit of a developmental thing there that they need to get going in, in that particular offense. Um, you have uh, guys like Malachi Moore on defense staying. Um, you still have some pieces there from Saban's team that are still actually there. C.J. Dupree, tight end, transfer tight end from Maryland, uh, who was there last season and he played in a few games, will probably have a bigger role this season in Ryan Grubb's offense now that he is returning to Alabama. So 
when you look at the impact that he will have. I think in over time, it will be a good impact. Now, is Alabama losing a lot of players? Yes, they've lost 10-plus players to the transfer portal since Saban's retirement. Uh, when a head coach leaves their prospective job, the portal opens up. All right, the portal opens up. Uh, for Alabama, it opened up when Saban retired. Uh, for Washington, it opened up when Kellen DeBoer left Washington. And speaking of that, this is some headlining news. Arizona has now opened up their portal because Washington has named head coach Jed Fish their next head coach. So that's a big impact there. Washington in the Big Ten was going to be is going to be could be rocking and rolling with Jed Fish as their next head coach. So Arizona. Their names, there's a lot of people, you know, entering the portal from their end as well. So that happened to Alabama. Okay. A lot of people, enter, you know, enter the portal. Commitments have decommitted. Okay. I'm not trying to take long on this question. I'm just trying to space it out for the time, you know, for, for the time of the episode, but just to answer the question thoroughly. When you look at this and when you look at, you know, people decommitting, losing transfers to you know losing, losing your roster to other schools or transfer portal. You lost Caleb Downs to Ohio State the other day. You, I mean, you lost uh, Kate, uh, offensive lineman Caden Proctor, who was a solid offensive lineman. He started a majority of the games last season to Iowa. So when you look at it, it's 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 it sucks. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It sucks. But when you think about it, and you look at big picture here uh, for Caleb Bower. Yes, he does not have any SEC recruiting ties, but he's built a staff to where he can have SEC recruiting ties. He's got Robert Gillespie, running back coach, running back coach and former associate head coach of Alabama, still on his staff as running backs coach. He's got guys on that on, on around him that can recruit in the SEC. Kalen Boer has he has to learn SEC recruiting. I understand that transfer portal wise and. NCAA high school recruiting-wise. I understand that. But when you look at it, and when you look at everything, I think Kalen DeBoer can do just fine in Alabama. I think this coming up season, I'm not going to project any record. I'm not going to project anything because it's way too early for that. We're gonna, we usually do that during the summertime. So I'm not going to do that yet during conference standing projections. We're not going to do any of that. But I will say this. I will say this. He can make an impact at Alabama. He can win games. Now, he's got the Bama fans have to give him time. That's the answer to the question. I think he will make an, an impact over time, but Bama fans have to give him time because this is not Alabama of, of the usual that they're used to for the past 16 years of if we don't win a national championship this season, he's gone, you know? So you can't do that when getting, when getting a coach like a Kalen DeBoer who is not a Nick Saban. When you don't have a Nick Saban and you're used to a Nick Saban for the past 16, 17 years, you cannot, cannot treat a new guy like Nick Saban because he's not Nick Saban. He's going to be the best Kalen DeBoer that he can be. So my question is that he, my answer to the question will be, he will make an immediate impact. He will, he will make an impact, but it's over time. Not an immediate impact maybe, but he will make an impact, but it will be over time. I don't think it's going to be an immediate instant impact but over time he will prove everybody he will prove everybody you know wrong you know he'll he'll prove everybody wrong in a sense of you know can he step up to the plate i think he can step up to the plate and he's going to be the best Kalen DeBoer that he can be so to answer the question over time 
impact for Kalen DeBoer. Sorry for the long, you know, seven-minute conversation on Kalen DeBoer and Alabama. Uh, next question is pretty good. Who is your breakout player for the upcoming season? Breakout player. He kind of broke out last season. But my breakout player who will probably come into his own that I'm looking at is Carson Beck from Georgia. And when I look at Carson Beck and I look at Georgia, they're loaded. Okay, they're they're still loaded. They are still they, they are right now coming down with the number one recruiting class again. When you look at what uh, Carson Beck did last season, he was amazing. Uh, he was very underrated. A lot of people did not give him credit for what he did um, because he was fairly new at starting, and it was his first full season starting. Uh, he did he wasn't really they, they weren't going to give him the Heisman, but if he puts up the numbers that he did last season this year, the Heisman could be calling his name. So if you're talking about breakout player, I would say I would say Carson Beck from Georgia coming up this season could be a, a breakout player, and he'll come into his own as one of the faces of college football. You know, coming up in 2024, uh, I will say him and a, a breakout player. If you if you if you want to look at it, if you want to look at it, he already broke out at Ole Miss. But Ohio State running back Quinshawn Judkins, I think he'll break out as well. I think he'll be a player at Ohio State that will uh, run fairly hard in Ohio State, and the Big Ten's got to watch out. So if you want to talk about a breakout player who, who who fairly broke out in Ole Miss, but just like Carson Beck did at Georgia, but I will say break out even more to answer your question will probably be Quinshawn Judkins from Ohio State. So that's really that's really all I got would be Carson Beck and Quinshawn Judkins, uh, Georgia and Ohio State, respectively, this season. So good questions. Thank you for asking that, guys. Uh, one question that I got was, is the SEC no longer the strongest conference after this season? Well, in my honest thoughts, and when you look at it, I think the SEC is one of the strongest conferences still, even if they did not make the national championship for the first time since 2014, going on 2015 season, okay? They, to me, did, they are a strong conference because once the 12 team hits, I'm pretty sure there's going to be majority SEC in it along with the Big Ten. So, I mean, SEC is still the strongest conference, no doubt, when you look at it. I think if you look at both con- when you look at overall conferences out there, the top two conferences in the in college football are the SEC, the Big Ten, hands down. Uh, third would be the Big Twelve, most likely. Okay, so going into the new era of college football, twenty twenty four, SEC is going to be stronger than ever. You add sixteen teams in there. The two teams that you add are Texas and Oklahoma, who were powerhouses in that conference. You combine them with the the forces of the SEC, and you make it a, a super conference with two juggernauts like Texas and Oklahoma. So, when you look at two powerhouses like that at, coming onto the SEC, I think SEC will probably be still the strongest conference going into this going into this season and after this postseason. The SEC will still be the strongest conference. It's going to be head, you know headed by Georgia, which could lead into my next question that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. So to me, the SEC is still the strongest, is still the strongest conference in college football along with the Big Ten after this past season. So good question there. Has Georgia officially taken the backseat as the team to beat after missing the college football playoff? And that's why I said it's headed by the team we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Georgia, 
Now, when you break it down, you can think, yeah, they got beat by their their run's going to end. Uh, they they got beat by Alabama in the SEC championship. But when you looked, when you saw them in the Orange Bowl, sixty three to three, sixty three to three. When you look at them, and when you look and see and look at and look at the margin of victory that they had against an undefeated Power Five conference champion in Florida State. Oh my lord, you know? I mean, oh my goodness. Well, I mean, it's just kind of hard to fathom that they're gone, right? Because they're not gone in my opinion. I don't think they've taken a back seat. I think in 2024, they're the odds-on favorite to probably go back to the playoff and or win the national championship. Will Georgia be in the 12 team playoff? I think they will. I'll say that early on. It's January. It's not even December yet. It's not even December 2024 yet, but I will say that Georgia will probably and most likely, in my honest thoughts, will be in the 12-team playoff, hands down, and most likely will be one of the top four buys in the first round, will be one of the top four buys, could be SEC champion, who knows, but Georgia's going to be top dog in the SEC going into this season. I don't think they've taken a back seat. I've taken, I think they are the seat. I think they're the favorites, after, especially after Nick Saban and Alabama retired. Kirby Smart has taken the throne okay, of the best coach in college football. He is the best coach in college football right now because Saban's gone. He's the best coach right now. He's taking that throne as the king of football, as the king of college football, coaching-wise. I honestly think that Georgia, especially with what they're building, I mean, they got the number one recruiting class again uh, three years straight. Another number one recruiting class for Kirby Smart. He can recruit at a high level. He can got, get guys from the portal at a high level. Kirby Smart is a an elite coach as you come. Two national championships, transfer portal, building through there, building through high school recruiting, loaded roster, top to bottom. Their third stringers are fifth or five star players. Okay, so they are he builds like Alabama and Nick Saban has built. He took what Nick Saban, he he literally has taken Nick Saban, what he has learned from Saban, and incorporated it into his own coaching style and made it to where Georgia is an elite program. Because Georgia is an elite program, hands down. Georgia hasn't taken a back seat in my thought, in my honest thoughts. I think Georgia right now is the odds-on favorite to win it all going into 2024. Now, am I going to sit there and say that Georgia is the bet uh is you know gonna win it all right now i don't know i can't sit there and say that they are um, they're my favorites to win it all currently but i'm not gonna sit there and say they will win it because who knows what could happen but right now going into this season to me they're the number one team so i don't know they've taken a back seat in the college football playoff to answer the question. Thank you for asking that question. I really appreciate you guys coming in with these questions. Um, this is an interesting one, and this comes off the heels of Michigan winning the national championship, and this comes off the heels of all the investigations going on you know, with Michigan. Will Michigan have their championship title stripped? Will they have their national championship title that they have won in 2023 stripped? I do not think so. Currently, I don't think so. Uh, it's not looking likely. I, I I think that if this was, let me just say this: if college football was in two thousand and eight, 
Probably. I would say that they probably would have their title most likely stripped. But with the newness and new era of football right now and going into 2024 and how it is now, I don't think Michigan will have their title stripped. I think I think it's an issue of what they've done. A lot of people have said they're cheaters, and, and yes, they they cheated because of the sign-stealing investigation, multiple recruiting violations with Jim Harbaugh. I understand that. Okay, I get that. But I don't think they're going to have their title stripped just yet. I think they're going to have their title for now. They're going to walk into 2024 as the defending national champions. Um, But I don't think they're going to have their title stripped because of how college football is run nowadays. I think a lot of people get away with a lot of stuff. and, And that's my honest thoughts on this. I think a lot of people get away with doing a lot of shady stuff in college football. It's like tampering. Everybody tampers. You don't you 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 don't get a star-studded running back like Quinshawn Jenkins in the transfer portal without kind of tampering with him a little bit to get him there. Okay, tampering is a real issue, um, and I'm not trying to lead this question in tampering, but it kind of goes with what I'm talking about. It's a real issue. Because it's a shady thing to do. Michigan has done some shady things. A lot of people have gotten vacated wins. They've gotten wins taken away from them um, when it's really serious. They've gotten they've gotten things taken away from them. Things taken away from them. You know, teams have gotten things taken away from them because of a lot of stuff that's happened that are really, really serious. But for stuff like this, and it should be that they get they get some sort of punishment. They should. I'm not disagreeing with that. But nowadays, when it comes to this stuff, slap on the wrist doesn't make it right. It doesn't at all. But that is why people are calling out the NCAA to step up on these things. So, in my honest thoughts, I don't think they're going to get their championship stripped anytime soon. But who knows? Bigger things may come to light. It could happen. I'm not necessarily sure. But I, I don't think right now they're going to get their title, their title strip. So, again, thank you for asking that question. That was a good question. I dropped my pen. I dropped my pen. Let me grab that really quick as I reach for it. Let me look for the next questions on these notes. Uh, thank you, guys, again. Uh, I keep saying thank you. Uh, but thank you, guys, for keeping on plugging into Pigskin Frenzy with this. It means a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm having fun answering these questions and just talking, having a conversation with you guys on this episode. So, uh, thank you guys. Okay. So one good question is this, how do we fix voting of the top 25? This was a question that I've been, you know, kind of th- getting and thinking about. Um, if we're talking about the AP top 25, um, Usually the AP just has a bunch of voters who come in and media voters who come in and vote where people are ranked and where people are ahead. So honestly, in my honest thoughts, I don't necessarily have too much of an issue with voting of the top 25. Um, A lot of people from like, you know, like (laughs) I guess is a good way to put it. Uh, If you're all on like a a Reddit thread (laughs) and you're, and and you're talking about it and you're thinking, um, okay, uh, you know, here is the here are the voters here on this thread. Uh, I think that's a big issue there because to me, it's like a lot of people buy into that, and I don't think they should. 
Uh, I think the AP poll has a select criteria on what they need to do. Um, Quite frankly, with the AP poll, I only, and this is is why it's kind of, I'm not trying to beat around the bush by answering this question, but I honestly think that by time mid-season hits, the AP poll really doesn't matter. And it doesn't. It, it doesn't. It, I, because it, everybody's going by the college football playoff rankings now. Uh, by by uh, Halloween, no one is talking about the AP poll. Now, when you're listening, now when you're talking about week one through Halloween, then yeah. I mean, everybody's got, looking at the AP poll on Sunday afternoon and saying who's ranked where. And it matters. It does matter. And, and the final rankings of the year after the national championship – they matter. But when you look at Halloween on to the playoff, that's why I came out with my own frenzy rankings. And I will do that coming up this season, my own frenzy rankings. But when you look at it, it doesn't matter about the AP Top 25. Um, but if you're asking about AP Top 25, college football playoff in general, how do we fix it? We need the right people in there to overlook and see what teams uh, are doing and see what teams are, you know, capable of, not only capable of, but doing. You, you, we need the right people in there to look at what teams are, you know, who are, who are paying attention to the game and knowing what's going on with these teams. I think that is how you fix voting in top 25. If you want to be blunt, you get the right people in there to vote on it. Um, and you get unbiased opinions on who should be ranked where. That's the only reason why you get it. Um, a lot of people on these like Reddit threads, they vote for uh, Michigan to be one, but some of those guys go to Michigan uh, and they justify it and they try to justify their reasoning. Uh, but And that's fine. You can justify your reasoning. You have opinions. Um, but we need people to disregard the Reddit threads. We needed people to disregard all that stuff. And voting of the top 25 uh, with the AP top 25 and or the college ball playoff rankings that come out, you need to look at the right people, the right committee, and who's voting. Okay? That's how you fix it. You fix it by getting unbiased opinions. You fix it by getting the right people in there who are evaluating these teams and who are paying attention to the game. That's how you fix it. Uh, and if you get teams uh, who in there who are, oh, I think NC State should be ranked in there when there's an NC State, you know, associate who's voting them in there, you can't get that in there. It's kind of shady a little bit. I would just suggest, in my opinion, you get the right people in there. You get um, you get people who are paying attention to the game and you follow the select, the select criteria. I test... Uh, scheduling, uh, the quality of wins they've gotten, quality of record, strength of schedule, all that. The criteria, you follow the correct criteria and you get the right people to vote for the top 25 AP or college football playoff. That is how you fix AP top 25 voting and or top 25 voting in the, in the rankings in general for college football. Thank you for the question. That was a really, really good question. Uh, another question. Why is this Ole Miss's best chance to win a championship in football since the 60s? Well, 
my honest thoughts on Ole Miss is this, because they have all their talent coming back from this season. If you look at what Ole Miss did last year, they won 11 games, 11 games. That is quite impressive. It was their first 11-win season in school history. Uh, and what Lane Kiffin's doing up there through the transfer portal and recruiting is quite impressive. He is building something up there. Uh, Ole Miss in the SEC is, to me, the second-best team going into 2024. I'll say second-best team behind Georgia only, behind Georgia. But they are the second-best team uh, in this. I mean, they, got, they loaded up in the transfer portal. Guys like Walter Nolan, Guys like Juice Wells from South Carolina, wide receiver, uh, especially you know with guys who are coming back. You got uh, Logan Diggs, a uh, transfer running back from LSU who committed at Ole Miss. Got guys like that in the portal. You also got guys like defensive back Trey Amos from the portal who uh, transferred from Alabama after Saban retired. Uh, not only that, you got guys who are coming back. Guys like Jared Ivey, guys like J Jackson Dart, guys in the running back, you, like you see uh, Ulysses, uh, Ulysses Bentley, the fourth. You got Logan Diggs in the backfield with him. You got Juice Wells who transferred in. You got Trey Harris, Jordan Watkins, Dayton Wade, uh, uh, Caden Prescorn, the tight end coming back. You got a loaded team who are all coming back in 2024, and you got additions to the transfer portal and recruiting. So Ole Miss is going to be a tough team to beat on both offense and defense. So that team's going to be loaded next year in the and the SEC. So um they're a team in my opinion that will most likely be in the 12 team playoff because of what of the talent that they got coming to this team in 2024. So this is probably their best chance to win since the 60s because of the talent that they got coming back and the and they can match up with a lot of other guys you know in college football. Uh can they match up with Georgia? That's a tough one. Can you match up with Texas? That's a tough one. We don't know that. But they can match up with a lot of guys and a lot of teams out there. So that's probably why I would say this is the best time that they that they could probably sneak in and could win the national championship or win a championship in general. Am I going to say that they're going to win it all? I never said that. I never said that they're going to win it all. But this is a good time to where they can sneak in and make the playoff and could be a good chance to win it. So who knows? Uh, because of the talent they got on their team is the reason why, in my honest thoughts. So good question about Ole Miss there. We'll see them uh, back in September. A few more questions before we conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy. Um, had a lot of questions here. Thank you for asking this. I appreciate this. Um, as I scroll through, uh, let me see. I have about... I have about I have about four questions left, and I can and I can answer all four really quick uh, before we conclude conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy. Uh, how do you view Colorado's season, and what do you expect for next season? Here's what I expect, and how do I view Colorado's season? They had a hot start in September. Okay, uh, they won against TCU, which I was ecstatic about. I thought that was crazy. Um, they beat Colorado State. Uh, they were undefeated and 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 won out the rest of their games. Now uh, they were undefeated in September, and then late September rolled around. They played Oregon 
and they were kind of brushing going into a, a, a strong environment in Eugene, which Oregon hadn't lost in Eugene in about four to five years. Uh, still to this day, it is a tough environment to play in, especially with Dan Lanning there as their head coach. And when you look at what happened and you look at everything, uh, it's a tough environment and a tough team you're going up against. I think they were bragging a little bit too cocky. They bit off a little bit more than they can chew against Oregon, and Oregon smoked them, 42-6. to six. Dan Lanning was motivated. He was kind of upset at what, Ohio, at what Colorado was doing, and I think that's what happened. The downfall started there. They played a tough USC team at the time, beat you, uh, lost to USC. They were about to come back against USC, but lost, and lost that game. They ended up losing an upset against Stanford, losing to UCLA. They beat Arizona State. Um, and lost to Utah. They went about four and eight to end this season. They won four games, lost eight. So kind of a disappointing way to turn, you know, in the back half of the season uh, and lose about six straight, six, five, five, six straight to end their season. So four and eight or uh, you know, pretty much their whole schedule, uh, four and eight. I mean, which it just wasn't the best season they have had. Now, I will say this. With the transfer portal and what they're doing in the portal, once again, because they're nailing it in the transfer portal, Coach Prime is, and what they're doing in recruiting is amazing. So when you look at their view coming up from the postseason to this season and going into this season in 2024, I think, honestly, they're going to have a better season than they did last season. I'm not going to sit there and say that that Deion Sanders is going to win it all and they're going to make the 12-team playoff because they might. They might. Who knows? But I think they're going to have a better season and most likely will go bowl eligible this season rather than go 4-8. and eight. So that's my honest thoughts. I think it was a learning curve for this season. Uh, disappointing, but learning curve to take everything with a grain of salt and then go into this season uh, a little bit more hungry and to win more games and go to a bowl game, hopefully, and or make the playoffs if they can in the Big 12. So I think that's how I view Colorado's season. Uh, just a learning curve. Just a learning curve. First season, trying to rebuild there, and it's not going to happen within one season. So that's my view of Colorado's season this past season. And I what I expected for them from this season is to probably take it up a notch, especially with the talent that they're, they're coming in with in Boulder and who knows, win more games and probably be bowl eligible. So that's my views on Colorado. Thank you for asking that question. Um, three more here. What's Which team season was the biggest failure of the season? That's a tough one. That's a, that's a tough one. Uh, I can, I'm going to go with two seasons. I'm going to go with two teams if to answer your question. I think overall, we look at USC. Uh, they they returned the defending Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, they were top ten, top. They were number six in that Colorado game, and then they end up losing to Notre Dame, almost losing to Cal, losing to Oregon, uh, losing to Washington, and losing to UCLA, and then winning in the Holiday Bowl against Louisville. They go eight and five. Eight and five is where they went, and it's, it's kind of a disappointing and underwhelming season for Lincoln Riley, who could have with a team that he had beaten a Washington, maybe, or beaten an Oregon, maybe, and could have gone to the Pac-12 championship game. But the defense was the most disappointing thing about them because 
of they couldn't stop anybody. So, and that's why they lost so many games. There were so many high hopes for USC, including on my end. I picked them to go to go to the Pac-12 championship and win. So, and be in the college football playoff hunt. So, when you look at it and when you look at everything, for USC, to me, it was the most disappointing because of how their defense has responded to everything uh, and how they overall responded to everything because they couldn't stop anybody and therefore their offense kind of got out of sync because their 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 counterpart on defense was not helping them out as much. So that's one. USC probably, in my opinion, was the biggest failure of this season, disappointingly. Now, number two, LSU. I think LSU had a solid offense, the number one offense in the nation, and and if they would have had a good enough defense, probably would have gone to the SEC championship and could have gone to the could have gone to the college football playoff. They were that good on offense. They were head and shoulders above everybody on offense. Jaden Daniels, the reigning defending Heisman Trophy winner, and he deserved it, uh, carried that team on his shoulders. They ended up going to the Rely Quest Bowl, uh, beating Wisconsin on New Year's. And in my honest thoughts, if they had, would have had a stronger defense, would have probably been in the conversation of going to the SEC Championship and going to the college football playoff. Uh, I think they could have win, won some of those games against the Florida State maybe, against a Bama and against an Ole Miss. But when you look at uh, when you look at everything, they won, they were they went 10 and three this season. They've only lost three games. They went 10 and three. Uh, they could have beaten Alabama maybe and they could have beaten Ole Miss. The, the closest game out of those three they could have won was Ole Miss. Uh, Florida State was pretty solid. Uh, they were playing really hard against Ole Miss, but lost because of their defense. And then they got blown out in the second half of Alabama because of their defense. If they would have had a stronger defense, it's kind of hard to stop them, honestly, offensively. So I think LSU's season dis- disappointed me in that regard because they could have won it all or may have, you know, may have won it all or gone close to winning it all if they would have had a, 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 str- a little bit of a stronger defense. So biggest failure overall, you could say USC or you could say LSU, but those are my two uh, if you considered which season team season was the biggest failure of the season. So those are my two answers uh, for that question. Um, two more questions before we head out. Will the, will the 12-team playoff hurt or enhance college football? I think it depends. I think... For I think it will enhance competition and it will enhance everybody saying we need more players in and need more teams in, right? So I think in that regard, it will enhance college football. I think scheduling-wise, it hurts college football. I think because of competing with the NFL for TV time, because you're going if you the, the national championship coming up this for the 2024 season happens on Monday, January 20th of 2025. So when you look at it and you're thinking, dude, that goes deep into the college, into the NFL playoffs. That goes deeper into conference championships of NFL playoffs. So in my honest thoughts, I would start the season earlier for college football. And then you have, you finish up around new year's and, or the next, the week after new year's, like we always do for college football. So I think it hurts scheduling-wise and it hurts players mentally and scheduling-wise because of school, extracurricular activities, and holidays, 
Christmas time. And you know, players want to get rest and go spend time with their family, but they can't because of longer, longer playoff and longer scheduling. So in my honest thoughts, it for 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 enhancing, it enhances competition, it enhances media deals, it enhances viewership, and it enhances competition in that regard. But it hurts them personally, and it hurts scheduling-wise when they need to not compete with the NFL and or these players need rest and they need a break. So in my honest thoughts, it's kind of a two-edged sword, and it really just depends. So thank you for asking that question. That was a good question. Last question before we conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy. Assuming Alabama loses more than two games in a season, do you think the fan base will be ready to accept anything short of another SEC title? That is a really, really good question. Um, the way Bama fans think, it's kind of complex. And when you look at the way Alabama fans are accepting of, they want SEC championship, national championship, or bust each year, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard, especially when you got rid of the greatest, well, not got rid, but the, the, the greatest coach of our time has decided to walk away from the sport. When you look at it and when you look at everything, it's kind of hard to sit and say that they could accept anything less or short of an SEC title. It, to me, I think Bama fans need to get ready to adjust to a different time and get ready to adjust to a different period of everything. They need to get ready to adjust to a period of, hey, we are going to lose. We may lose three games in a season. Okay, we may lose four games in a season one time. Uh, we may lose more than two games. Uh, because in a season, Saban, you c- can finish three games. Can He has finished with, you know, losses with three losses during his domination run, but it's usually not likely. It's usually, usually a double-digit win season every time. Maybe Kellen Boer in 2024 loses a few games and they only win eight or nine games. The fans need to readjust their mindset and focus and say, okay, let's give Kalen DeBoer time. Let's give Kalen DeBoer patience. And this goes back to the first question I answered. Give him time to recruit, build up Alabama to his to, to the image of, of of what of not Nick Saban, of not Nick Saban times. And let's see if he can bring a national championship home to Alabama without Nick Saban being there. Alabama has to Alabama fans have to be patient with that because it's not going to be an easy stretch going into the, the first time. It's not. So I think they need to get ready and accept maybe that they're not going to be in it every year. And they're going to be contending, maybe, but they're not going to be in it every single season. There's going to be losses that they did not want. But that's every college football team out there. You can't hate and and, and try to try to grab your pitchforks and 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 uh you know your your riding pitchforks and your fire you know your fire lanterns and your 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 sticks with fire on it like it's SpongeBob SquarePants. You know what I mean? You can't do that when there's a coach out there who is solid enough to lead your team. But it's gonna take time to build up the program. Okay. You lost a lot. You lost a lot in your head coach with Nick Saban. But with Kalen DeBoer, you're gaining some of those factors into into not only trusting, but you're going to gain some factors into, you know, toughness and to not being shy away from the challenge of 
running Alabama, the premier job of college football, and running in the SEC and running a job in the SEC. So in my opinion, Bama fans, to answer this question, uh, do you think the fan base will be ready to accept anything short? It depends. I think, in my opinion, do they do they accept anything short? I do not know that, but they're going to have to in certain seasons to build on what they want to accomplish at Alabama. Patience is key in this, and they need to be patient going into 2024 and beyond with head coach Kellen DeBoer. So hopefully that answers the question. Thank you for asking it. And we're about out of time. I answered pretty much majority of the questions that we got. Uh, if I didn't get to some of your questions, I apologize. But again, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like each episode, leave comments down below. Spotify, Podbean, and Apple, all you have to do is just share around with others and follow on there as well. Now, Instagram, Facebook, and Facebook, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, X, all you had to do was type in Pigskin Frenzy, follow like the pages there. You'll get episode updates. You will get news and highlights from across college and NFL football. You will get Instagram uh, questions, uh, trivia questions on your Instagram stories. Go and answer today's, as well as all things to do today for Pigskin Frenzy. Guys, big thank you again. Thursday, we will be back to recap the NFL playoffs, continuing coverage of the NFL playoffs and the divisional round of the NFL playoffs and preview and predict the conference championships in the NFL and the NFC and the AFC Thursday. So NFL day Thursday, we will be back also next Tuesday for a transfer portal edition of pigskin frenzy. We'll dedicate that episode to the portal next week. So until then, thank you guys again for also asking questions for this Q and a, it was fun. Hopefully we will do another Q and a, for college football before the season starts. And we will do a Q&A on NFL. That's, you know, tune in on Thursdays uh, for that one as well. So thank you for asking questions. Thank you for letting me talk and answer those questions for you guys. Uh, until Thursday, I'm Joel Norris signing off. And for everybody out there, please and always stay the course.